Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, worship team. And it is so good to be here this morning. So nice to have all of you here with us today. Amen. Do remember to pray. There are several that are out uh, with sickness and, and things. So there's a little bit of a bug, I guess, that guess the mosquito sprayers haven't uh, sprayed enough because there's still bugs going around. Amen. But, amen, we are thankful that you are here today. Amen. And what a great privilege it is to dedicate uh, little children. Jesus said, don't, don't, shut them, don't shut them little ones up. He said, you bring them to me and let me bless them what he said. Amen. All right, we're going to call your attention this morning to the book of Genesis and then the book of Luke. Just uh, two scriptures we're going to read uh, here this morning. That screen's dead. Amen. All right, Genesis 25 and 5 reads like this. And Abraham gave all that he had unto Isaac. Gave all he had. And then Luke 15 and 31. Amen. And uh, we're, we don't, we're not going to take the time to read this uh, entire parable, but You'll know where it comes from. This comes from the uh, prodigal son. And uh, this is what the father said to that elder son. He said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is yours. And I'd like to speak to you this morning on this thought, living up to your inheritance living up to your inheritance and I'm going to ask you one more time if you would if I get brother Cliff turn those lights down and uh, brother McCune would you mind would you lead us in prayer one more time and we just uh, ask to, for your attention here for a few minutes here this morning brother McCune Praise God. Thank you, Brother McEwen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Appreciate that lesson this morning, Brother Clementson. Amen. And Brother Ollie, appreciate your lesson last Wednesday night. I believe this Wednesday night is Brother Colton, I think. Amen. Living up to your inheritance. Question was asked to a mother of 13 children. Question was, which of your children do you love the most? Right? We, that question comes uh, sooner or later. But the question was, which of your children do you love the most? Thirteen of them. Which one? Her answer? The one who is sick until he gets well, and the one who is away until he gets home. Pretty good answer, huh? In Luke chapter number 5, we'll go back just a little bit here. Jesus has just called a tax collector to follow him by the name of Levi or Matthew. 
you know, tax collectors. How many of you like the IRS? Back in that day, it was as bad or worse. But he had just called Matthew to follow him. Matthew, we're told, he goes on to prepare a dinner for Jesus. And Matthew invites some of his friends to come along and sit down at the table with them. And, of course, some of them would be tax collectors. And we hear some complaining that is coming from a very influential group of educated and religious folks called the scribes and the Pharisees. Their question put forth to this new teacher who the people were calling rabbi Their question was, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answers them, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. He says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's really For the most part, that is one of the main themes of our story here today. The entire 15th chapter of Luke is drawing the attention to the lost. Okay? That's what it's doing. And 2 Peter, the third chapter, it says this. It says, Know that in the last days scoffers will come, saying, Where is the promise of his coming? And Peter goes on and he says, The Lord does not delay as though he is unable to act, and he is not slow as some would count slowness, but he is extraordinarily patient towards you, not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. And There are some key words in this message this morning. That's one of them. There is lost, there is found, there is repentance, and then there is joy. And Psalm 51 and 16, and 16 and 17 from the Amplified Bible, it reads like this. We're talking about inheritance this morning we're talking about when we throw the word out there inheritance the kids smile and hey wow man one of these days i'm gonna get it you know the gold and the silver but here's what psalm 51 says it says for you do not delight in sacrifice or else i would give it you are not pleased with burnt offerings My only sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, broken with sorrow for sin, thoroughly repentant, such, O God, you will not despise. As we get into our lesson here, as far as the prodigal son You're going to find that all through that 15th chapter that the Lord is reaching for whomsoever would listen to him, whether it was the sinner and the tax collector or the Pharisee and the scribe. He was trying to lead them to the most important part, their very foundation of the plan of redemption for lost humanity. He's trying to get all to a place of repentance. That's what it, all throughout the scripture, that's what it is. John said, repent. Jesus said, repent. Peter said, repent. The preacher says, repent. He was not trying to drive them away. He was trying to draw them near to him because he understood and he does understand 
the fallen nature of humanity is a rebellious, prideful spirit. And until that spirit is broken, there can be no relationship with him. Can I get an amen out there? Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming to hear Jesus speak. Back to our story here, but Pharisees and scribes began to mutter and complain again. This man welcomes and eats with sinners. He gives us the parable of the lost sheep and there's only four verses. Then the woman and the lost coin. Three verses, that's all. Then he brings the, very, the, the thought of the lost home with a very heartfelt story of a father and his two sons covering 22 verses. Both the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin it brings the story to an end with the last verse in each of those parables telling us the teacher is trying to bring his audience to a desired destination. The very last verse, the last word, verse in each story is the joy that he felt over one single repentant heart. The very last word in each of those stories ends with repentance or repenteth. God is trying to draw men. He doesn't care the occupation. He doesn't care the material accounts that you have, your possessions. He doesn't, you could be willing to put all of your material goods in the basket here. That means nothing to God without a broken and a contrite heart and spirit because that's the only thing that he is drawn to. The first two parables, the word joy is used Five times in seven verses. There is a connection between repentance and joy. There is a connection. In those first two parables, they, they take up a, a whole length of seven verses. And within those seven verses, the word joy is used five times. Joy repeated over and over at the recovery of something that is lost. When Jesus begins this last parable, he brings it from the, the sheep. And please don't be offended. He, he, he brings it from losing your favorite pet to your most valuable coin or whatever, your wallet or your iPhone. He's trying to draw people into him. Maybe it is that he feels that coming from the, the audience, coming from his hearers, that the scribes and the Pharisees and maybe the, the tax collector, they, they don't relate to that. And so he ends, this whole chapter is dedicated to this. He ends it with the story that he absolutely, he knows that, that everyone that is sitting out there will be able to relate to this next story. He's bringing it home to your home today. He's saying, and one translation reads it this way. It says, and to illustrate the point further. That's the way he begins the parable of the prodigal son. It says, and to illustrate the point further, now he wants to bring the teaching home by getting close to where we live. They may not relate to a lost sheep or a lost coin, 
But who in the audience cannot relate as a father or a mother or a brother or a sister who can refuse the illustration coming from the Son of God when he brings it home to the importance in the illustration of a man, of a parent that had two sons and both of them were lost. Say, well, I only read where one, well, we'll get into that. Not a sheep, not a coin. The Lord is reaching for them. He's trying to get them to an understanding that He has came. He has came to reach. He has came to seek. The Bible says, He said, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. We need to be reminded this morning that without Him, you are the elder or you are the younger son. Without Him, you are still lost in your sins. There is only one Redeemer. There is only one search party out. There is only one Lord that came to save your soul. And He was the one standing there that day trying to reach into the people's hearts and the coin wouldn't do it and the sheep wouldn't do it he says well I got a story to share with you and when I'm done you'll get what I'm trying to get to into your heart he's reaching for the lost notice the starting number goes from a hundred to ten to two but the emphasis always comes back to one it's always about you. It's not about the hundred. It's about you. It's not about the ten. It's about you. As we begin this parable, it's important to know the role of the elder son. That oldest son inherited twice as much as the other siblings with the responsibility to care for the family once the father died. We read in Genesis 25, we read to you, and the, the verses prior to that, in chapter number 25, we read how Abraham, before he died, he gave his concubine sons gifts and he sent them away. So it says, but to Isaac, we're told, he gave all that he had. Verse number 11, And it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac, the son of promise, the sole inheritor of the totality of God's covenant promise blessing. It was to go upon Isaac, and upon Isaac it did go, and it did flow. That covenant promise blessing was his and his alone listen carefully it was his and his alone to pass on to his firstborn son even though we find jacob jacob to be a lion deceiving son we find two important things one isaac could not undo the blessing he put on jacob and number two, we find the thought that the elder will serve, listen carefully, that the elder will serve the younger. Or the idea that there is a second Adam coming through the family of Jacob. And that one that will come through Jacob he will become the sole inheritor of all things. Malachi tells us, listen to this. Malachi says, God hates Esau, but he loves Jacob. 
Romans 9, 12, 13, The elder shall serve the younger as it is written, referring back to the Old Testament. Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid, for he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. Jacob, you should not be the heir. He said, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. GK, you should not be an heir of the promises and the blessings of God. He says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Hebrews 12, 15, and 17 were told after the great book, the chapter of faith. Then it moves to chapter number 12. It says, don't be like Esau who was a fornicator and profane person, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, listen carefully, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Hang on. You see... True repentance would have produced in Esau an attitude if even though Jacob has ran off with dad's inheritance, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to take care of the family and rebuild my relationship with my father. That's repentance. When you have lost everything, but you still understand that the mercy and the compassion of God is all that you need. His responsibility should have been that even though that he had been deceived, even though he had been cheated out of what he was supposedly supposed to have inherited. But no, Esau, that's a wrong spirit. That is not a broken and a contrite spirit that will lead you back to God. But that is a prideful attitude that will send you into the camp of Ishmael. And there you will find a wife in an act of rebellion. Against your parents. Are you with me? That's what the writer was talking about in Hebrews. He said, I hate Esau. Why, why, why? Well, because when he went back into that tent and shed some tears trying to get back his blessing that his brother just walked out with. Those were tears over the loss of his, his position, of his inheritance. Instead of it should have been that he should have been of a repentant attitude and said, Dad, I want you to know I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I'm not leaving. I'm not going to rebel against you. Hebrews 9 explains, listen carefully, how that Jesus paid the price for our eternal inheritance with the sacrifice of his body and the shedding of blood. This produced a new covenant testament, uniting God and man with the promise of eternal life. Covenant comes from a Greek word here, diatheism or whatever it is. It defines a legal transaction in the settling of an inheritance. It would define how the property and the goods which belong to the owner would be distributed among the heirs. 
when Jesus said it is finished, it means that it was paid in full. And it speaks of the enduring quality of the payment. The debt is canceled and forgiven forever. When he said it is finished, that means that the blood, the perfect, the unblemished soul that was hanging on Calvary's cross, it was so perfect that it wasn't just a daily or a weekly thing, but it was the quality and the perfection of it all it not only washed away your sins today forever you see Jesus became the executor of his own will there cannot be a disbursement without the death of the testator. The will is null and void until the one that owns all the goods, until he dies. That's the good news, you see, is that he did die, but he didn't stay dead. He came out of the grave and he became by the living, glorified body that he dwelled in. He became the executor of his own will that he wrote. You get it? Are you with me? He became the second Adam. He became more than just the, 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 uh, the image that Jacob gave us toward somebody, the second Adam. He became, he became not only the, he was the owner of the universe. And he wanted to put into the hands of and into the lives of the lame and the blind and the sinner man. He wanted to get his will into your life, but he had to die in order to do it. But when he came out of the grave, he became the executor, and it is by his own ownership and the sacrifice at Calvary and him rising from the dead that he has prior. He can give whatever he wants to give to whomsoever he wants to give it to. He gave gifts to men once he ascended, being the administrator of this new will and testament. He has the legal power to disperse all his riches as he chooses. Jesus became the second Adam, the firstborn of all creation. Listen carefully in Colossians chapter number 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. By him all things were created in heaven and on earth. You, the executor of the will. By him all things were created in heaven and earth. How much does he own? How much, how rich is he? How much does he have to give to me? He is before all things. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything, that in everything he might be preeminent. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him, 
to reconcile all things unto himself. And you who were alienated and enemies, hath he reconciled? Would it be safe to say the first Adam falls into the category of both of these sons, the lost prodigal and a self-righteous elder son? But in doing what Jesus did, he opened the door for both sons to come back inside the Father's house. And if he chooses the poor, and if he chooses the lame, and if he chooses the sick, and the blind, and the destitute, and the homeless, so be it, because he is able by his sacrifice and by his power to disperse his divine will and his goods on whomsoever he will. I'm here to let somebody know that God wants to bless you today. He wants to give you something more than you walked into the house with today. He wants to give you something So here we are, Luke 15. And to further illustrate his point, from the Amplified Bible, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them inappropriately said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that falls to me. So he divided the estate between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered together everything that he had. But you understand, he shortchanged himself because everything that he had at that point was not everything that his father had to give him. And he traveled to a distant country, and there he wasted his fortune in reckless and immoral living. After he spent all he had, gave up living with the pigs, when he finally came to his senses, he made a decision. He said, I will arise, and I will return to my father's house, because I know there's bread on the table. He says, and even though I'm unworthy anymore to be called his son, but I'm willing to go back and to ask him, Father, can I serve you as a hired servant? That's repentance. That is repentance in a magnified state. He was living with the pigs. But he came to a census. I know, I know that there are times when you sit, we all do in the service, we sit under the convicting power of the drawing of the Holy Ghost trying to intercede and trying to draw us to an altar of repentance. And we, we pardon me, pardon me, but we rebel against that contriteness that God is working toward our heart because the preaching of the Word is supposed to bring us to a place, a relationship of right standing with God. And when you feel the Holy Ghost move on you and you don't respond in a positive way, then you are responding in a negative way. He says, I will arise. You see, he was broken. He had a broken heart. He had a contrite spirit. You got to get it here. Oh, I, I've said it multiple times. That truly was the only thing that I had to offer to God when I first came to Him, is I was a broken young man. I was broke inside. Outside too, but I was broke inside. But listen carefully, listen carefully. 
He makes his way back. He's got, all he's got going for him right now is a repentant heart. Watch carefully. Listen carefully. And while he was still a long way off, That's what repentance does. It doesn't just draw you. But his father, with anticipation, he was looking down the road. And the Bible says while he was a long way off, he did not have to say anything. Or he, he, all he needed, he just had to be in a state of repentance that, that was drawing him back into the Father's house. And when the Father saw that, when he sensed that, the Bible says that that Father, he didn't just stand there. He didn't just walk casually. But the Bible says he was Moved. He was moved. He was moved with compassion. He was moved. God, multiple times, God's moved with compassion toward people that are in need. But listen to me. The, 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 the need is secondary. What he really, when he sees you repentant, when he sees your heart that is broken and repentance, then it doesn't just draw you to him, but it draws him to wherever. He, he, is, he is more than willing. He doesn't just meet you halfway. He runs towards you. He is absolutely ecstatic. His father saw that. Saw him. He was moved with compassion. He ran, embraced him. He didn't just give him a high five. Understand? The Bible said that he embraced him and he kissed him. But God, you can't do that. I can. I am the. I am the executor of my own will. And everything that I do is to draw you to me through an act of repentance, through an act of a contrite heart. I'm trying all, all I do, I come to seek and to save that which was lost in the first state. The foundation of your redemption is that you've got to repent. He ran, he ki- he ran, he ran, brother Jack. He ran to him. He ran to him. He grabbed a hold of him. He wasn't going to let go. He, by the way, he kissed him as they did back on his neck. He wasn't going to let him go. And listen to what happens here. The son comes out in his repentant attitude. And he says, Dad, I, I so messed up. He says, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to be called your son. He says, I'm okay if you just hire me as one of your servants. That's all I'm asking, Dad. If I can just come back home and you'll have me as one of your servants. You can read it and you can read it and you can read it. There is no verbal response from the Father to him. There's no need. He has already shown. Church, sometimes we don't get it sometimes. There, 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 is no, there is no verbal communication between the father and, and that repentant son. No, 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 no. You know what he does? He turns to the servant and he says, Go kill that fatted calf. He says, go kill that fatted calf. Incidentally, that son, he says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. But the father said to the servant, quickly, bring out the best robe. The Amplified Bible says, for the guest of honor. Yeah, not just some wrinkly old sweatshirt. 
No, no, no. There in the Father's closet is a robe designated for the guest of honor in the time of celebration. He says, get that robe. Kill that fatted calf that we save for special occasions. Put the robe on him. Put a ring on his hand. Put shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf, kill it, listen carefully, and let us eat and be merry. The Amplified Bible reads, let us invite everyone. For this my son was dead, and he is alive again. He was lost, but is now found. And the Bible says they began to be merry. His elder son was in the field. As he approaches the house, listen, he hears what's going on in there. Music and dancing. He asks one of the servants about the celebration. What's going on? He says, your brother has returned. Your father killed that fatted calf because he's returned home safe and sound. The older brother became angry and deeply resentful and was not willing to go in. And his father comes out. Listen. I hear the sound of Cain and Abel out in the field. We know what Cain and Abel. <laughs> Cain says, Abel, who, you think you're better than me? God accepted your offering. He don't want nothing to do with me. God came out of the house that day and he said, Cain, I'm giving you an opportunity here to change your attitude. He says, if you don't become the master over this thing, it will master you, and sin crouches at your door. The elder son doesn't even come in. The father has to go out to him, and he pleads with him to come in. Here's the answer. He says to his father, These many years I've served you and I've never neglected or disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me so much as a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when, listen carefully, but when this other son of yours, not my brother, but when this other son of yours comes back, after riotous living, you kill the fatted calf for him. Listen carefully. Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. He says, but... It was meat, or one version says it was necessary that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but is found. The story of the lost sheep and lost coin, the word joy or rejoice is five times. Seven verses. In the story of the lost son, the word joy is replaced with another word. There must be something there. Joy is not used in this parable. But instead, Mary is used four times in the last ten verses. Bring hither the fatted calf, kill it, let's eat and be merry. Verse 24, and they began to be merry. It was needed that we should make merry and be glad. For this your brother was dead, he's alive, he was lost, and he's found. The word spoken from the Father is not... Listen carefully. The words that the Father used here, it was in this light. Not to celebrate, he was saying, is not an option here for me. See, there's a little bit of difference in meaning between joy and merry. 
Joy is an emotion of great delight. You lost your pet, you got him back. You lost a 20 spot, you found it. Okay? It, that, that joy of emotion. But Mary here is putting that joy into action. It means to celebrate as in a festive occasion. You can have joy over that, over that lost whatever it is. But it's not the same feeling. It is not the same feeling your heavenly Father feels over a repentant soul. The word joy is not used. The word Mary is used. Why? Because it is a different feeling that is only explained and tried to be defined when God finds and draws a repentant soul into His presence. When He does, it is not simply an emotional outburst. No, sir. The Bible says heaven begins to rejoice. The angels begin to rejoice. Why? Because the Father is rejoicing because He has accomplished what He set out to do. Why does God feel this way? One writer, he tries to explain it this way. He says, because God is self-existent, His love had no beginning. Because He is eternal, His love can have no end. Because He is infinite, His love has no limit. His love is a vast, bottomless, shoreless sea. Because of this, there is no option with God. He cannot restrain Himself. He has to celebrate It is not an option when you repent of your sins for Him to just stand idly by. It's not within His character. It requires because of who He is. He celebrates. He celebrates. Heaven celebrates. The family celebrates. The repenter celebrates. Break out the robe. It's clean from the Father's closet. Put the ring on. A symbol of everlasting covenant, relationship, privilege, and inheritance. Put the new on him. Why? Because you are every time, every time that you are a broken, repentant child of God, I want you to know that there is a connection between repentance and joy. Every time I repent, I've got the right and the obligation to celebrate. Why? Because I know that what I have done it is it is it is causing a mass celebration because repentance does that repentance breaks us down but then repentance also it restores us because we know that once I I I empty myself. Then He fills me. And the kingdom of God and the Holy Ghost, it's not meat nor drink, but it's righteousness in my stand with Him and my brother. It is joy unspeakable, and it is peace beyond comprehension. The elder son... Listen, how do we know? How do we know that there's, a, that there's a difference between Mary and joy? Well, it says, Luke 15, 25, as the elder son got close to the house, 
he was drawn to what was happening on the inside. Hello. That's what drew him. What drew him was what was happening on the inside. The, the Bible says that he heard music and he heard dancing. Oh, come on, church. We might as well get alive. We might as well act Pentecostal. We might as well act like we got the Holy Ghost. We might as well act like we're right with God. We might as well act like that we got the most dynamic thing in heaven or on earth. We might as well act like that we are just who we are, a sinner saved by the grace and the mercy of God. We might as well just do our part. It's not about the portion of goods that we are to seek. It's about being in and building our relationship with my Father. Listen carefully. As the older son, I am responsible for taking care of the family of God. Hello. I am responsible for taking care of the family of God. My responsibility is to make sure my relationship is good with my father and good with my brother. It's my responsibility. My responsibility, and listen to me, my responsibility is your responsibility is, if you will, to that younger brother. You don't give him the opportunity to leave the house. You don't give them the opportunity to get up and walk out. No. Well, how, you pour your love through that God has given. You become, you become a vessel. You become a conduit. You become a lover of souls. You don't give that person an opportunity to leave the house. Am I right? You don't give you don't give them don't give them the opportunity. You love that soul. You love that soul as if it was your own son or your daughter. As you stand and we close, I don't know if musicians are here or not. Listen carefully. Psalm 16 and 5 says this. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Wow. He goes on to say, he is all I need. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance on earth. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God has sealed you, and the Spirit of God has, has it is the earnest of your inheritance until your full redemption. The earnest. That's all right, Sister Natalie. If you, if we don't have music, that's fine. Maybe Brother Cliff can put a song on. But all I want to do here this morning, all I want to do, 
children. We're all children, okay? Just some of us don't have parents anymore, okay? It's not about the house that you live in. It's not about necessarily the clothes that you wear or the food that you eat or the quality of those goods. You need to put joy into that house. You need to be the source. You need, when you step into, Brother Jeff, I hope and I pray that when your children, when they are around you, it isn't about what you're going to bring into their life materially, but when they look at you, they're saying, God, I want to bring... I want to bring, I want to bring that, I want to make that man happy. I want to make my mother happy. I want to make, I want to make my, I want to make my brother, I want to make my brother happy. I want him to be happy. I I want to be a source. I want to be a resource. Sister Reyes, I I, I want, well, oh, Children, brother Ollie, you got a great family. Children, you need to understand that one of the it's not about the home, the the size of the home that you live in, but you should make sure that your one of your goals in life should be that every time that you are awake and you are able to see mom and dad, that you bring joy into their lives. Not copping attitude. We don't know everything, parents. Grandparents do, but parents don't, okay? But oh, don't, don't cop an attitude, kids. Don't cop an attitude. You allow God to, to work in your life. You allow Him to lead you to a place of prayer. You allow Him to break your heart and say... You know, I know that I don't agree with you. All right. But I like being under your roof. What are you willing to do for the Lord? I enjoy being under the household of God. What am I willing to do? We want you to come this morning, if you would, we simply want to call you to the altar here. Amen. And, and not, not with the idea that you're, you know, that you're doing something extraordinarily wicked in your life. No, sir. It's simply that we acknowledge that the Lord, He is the one that grants us repentance and that will lead us to godly sorrow and a change of lifestyle. I want to we're 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 reaching we're reaching for perfection, folks. That's what we're trying to do. Amen. Would you come? Would you come this morning? Hallelujah. 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 Because he's worthy. Because he's worthy. Because he's worthy. If we could only, if we could only witness, oh, especially that first time that, that first time that you repented of your sins, when you had a knowledge of what it took to be saved. I want you to know that if you could have seen, if you could have seen, your heavenly Father was making a beeline towards you. He was making a beeline towards you. He's here in the house today. Hallelujah. That's it. Come on. Hallelujah. Let's just lift Him up. Let's love Him. Let's thank Him. Let's praise Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is calling. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Come on, that's it. That's it. Come on, let's love Him. Hallelujah. Precious blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.